This is the voice of the resistance. Earth is being taken over by fascists and scumbags, but hope lives. From Madison, Wisconsin in the United States of global hegemony, it's Didactic Syncast with your host, Eric P. And welcome to the Didactic Syncast, your overview of everything important on planet Earth. I am Eric S. Piotrowski, a.k.a. Uh, Duke Scaff on the world of video games and Twitter. But on Steam, these days, I'm known as Joey Jojo Jr. Shabadoo. Mo, I need your advice. Yeah? See, I got this friend named Joey Jojo Jr. Shabadoo. That's the worst name I ever heard. Oh, no. Hi, Joey Jojo! A.K.A. Scartol in the world of Wikipedia and Reddit. Today is... What is today? Saturday, the 11th of March, 2017. On this show, I bring you a range of news stories, historical and literary perspectives, and my opinions on topics like current events, war, human rights, economics, education, hip-hop music, and killer robot. So buckle up and let's get started. There's no a little bit better than dope is A brand new kid to show biz With knowledge I persevere But find out do me a favor, favor. favor. Let me an ear And we can find a rhyme to fill in space And drop the bass with a tape What's up people and especially Chinny Thank you for giving me that little uh, nudge To make me do this show Also I'm doing it because I had a week at school That wasn't totally atrocious In part because I was homesick on Thursday And I'm doing uh, this independent project In my creative writing classes uh, So I had some time to grade papers, so I'm not completely overwhelmed with everything. Yes! Unfortunately, the world is completely overwhelmed with horrible things going on, including fascists taking power in the Philippines, the United States, the United Kingdom, and maybe in France, depending on if Marine Le Pen gets punished enough for those stupid ISIS photos that she aired. Anyway, let's get right into it with some current events. Okay, look, people, I don't even know where to start with Trump. If you're listening to this, chances are you're keeping up with all of it on your own anyway, so you don't need me to tell you all the stupid, horrible things Donald Trump is doing. And what would that do anyway? If you realize that Donald Trump is the worst president we've ever had and he's only been in office a month, then you don't need me giving you a laundry list of details about why. And if you don't realize it, then wake up! What is wrong with you? Okay, wait, back up. Look, man... Like, you know, people had real reasons for voting for Trump, man. It wasn't just racism, even though 93% of his voting population was white. It wasn't just the fact that he spent 10 years bashing Barack Obama and becoming a reality TV superstar, man. That wasn't the whole thing, dude. People are hurting economically. Okay, fine. Look, well-meaning but completely oblivious hippie liberal dork. The point is that... Even if we take that as its word, okay, look, and I said this thing on the night of the election, if you supported Donald Trump because of white supremacy, then to hell with you, I don't want nothing to do with you. If you supported Donald Trump because he was speaking to an economic pain that no one else was, lie, Bernie Sanders was speaking to it, why didn't you talk about Bernie more, um, th- then... I, I, I understand, and you're right to be angry, but you need to understand, even though we're only a month in, you have to realize that Donald Trump is doing nothing to help ordinary working people, 
okay? All, he talks about jobs all day long, but what he does is he supports his friends who have all these connections with Wall Street and real estate and coal mining and all these other horrible industries, and, you know, occasionally he'll do something that might help a few workers at a carrier air conditioned plant, but meanwhile, people who need a higher minimum wage, people who need more protections on the job, people who need health care, he's completely gutting all of those things. Meanwhile, he's completely destroying the Environmental Protection Agency, and he's trying to get rid of every rule the SEC has to try to keep Wall Street under control. We'll get to that. And he's stocking his cabinet full of the most incompetent, idiotic, uh, immature, uh, I can't think of other adjectives that start with I, imbecilic, there you go, that's a good one, um, people you could ever hope to meet. So if, if anybody says this isn't about identity politics, they're full of nonsense. Because if you aren't interested in Donald Trump because of identity politics, great. Now it's time for you to start being intellectually honest and recognize immigrants are not our problem, okay? Muslims are not the problem, okay? Uh, the, 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 the destruction of our planet's ecosystem is a number one problem, okay? Refugees fleeing war, violence, bloodshed, and economic deprivation, that's a problem because they need our help, okay? We are one human family, and the more we try to lock ourselves down and say, no, everything for me, I earned it, the more ludicrous your world is going to become, and as Brain Tag said, you'll be fighting over food and paper, and there's nothing anybody can do. After the fact, after the bombs fall, after the smoke clears, some poor Democratic sap will have to come along, just like Obama came along after Bush Jr., and say, Oh, God, look at how messed up everything is. Well, what can we do to try to make it better? And Republicans will go, No, we refuse to cooperate on anything. And the new Democratic person will do the best they can, but there will be lunatic Republicans saying, Not good enough. The only thing we're going to do is obstruct. And we'll end up with another Democrat who kind of tries to make things better, but doesn't really do a very good job because Democrats are spineless and milquetoast. Hey, man, why you got to harsh my buzz about the Dems, man? They're doing good stuff, dude, bro. Like, come on, man. Dems are sweet, dude. No, Democrats are milk toast and weak. And if they had any spine at all, they would have made Keith Ellison the head of the DNC. But they didn't, so I hate them. I don't totally hate them, but they totally screwed up. So anyway, here we are. Donald Trump is in the White House. The Republicans control the Senate and the House. And they're putting Gorsuch under the goddamn Supreme Court. <sighs> so what are we supposed to do about it? What we're supposed to do is we're supposed to fight back, okay? Every battle we fight, every time we dig our heels in, every time we call the Senate offices and we call our elected officials in the House and we say, this policy sucks, we make it clear that we're not going to be silent and they're going to have to fight for everything they can get. And part of the strategy of Trump and his stupid friends is to overwhelm everything and, and completely inundate us with all these stupid approaches and policies and proposals and hope that we'll get exhausted and give up. Now, Sometimes we're going to get exhausted. I get exhausted sometimes. I'm having trouble keeping up with all this stuff. But failure is not an option, and giving up is not an option. Okay, people? We all have a part to play in the resistance, whether it's talking and giving people energy through your talking, or writing and inspiring people that way, or providing information to people, or getting out in the streets with signs, or risking arrest, as some people do, or going into public office and trying to fight from the inside. 
Everybody has a part to play, okay? And the resistance isn't just one thing, and it doesn't point to something that happened yesterday and say, look, we're winning, okay? Because the civil rights movement went on for years and years without ever feeling like they were getting anywhere. The struggle for East Timor went on for years and years, and it felt like we were never getting anywhere. And then you keep pushing, and eventually... Uh, something happens, and you have a victory. And then you wake up one day, and the Supreme Court goes, gay marriage is legal in all 50 states. And you go, really? Yay! And everybody changes their Facebook profile picture to be a rainbow flag, and you're like, where were you three years ago? But you can't get mad, because you know that that's the fruit of the labor, that you just keep pushing, and eventually a victory will happen. So that's what I do. That's what I'm trying to do here is to give energy. As Public Enemy said, if you're down to fight the power, here's the power to fight, okay? And I'm not going to apologize for being energetic and for being radical because let me explain something to the people who have the attitude of like, you're just snowflakes, you're just crying, your person didn't win. First of all, Hillary Clinton, who is not my person, but she won. Okay, let's just get that out of the way, right? She won. Never mind about the Russians, and I'll make it clear here. I don't really know exactly what I think about this whole Russia thing, because the Intercept is like, it's not actually the Russians. And I don't totally believe that, but whatever. The point is, that's a secondary issue to me. Even if Russia wasn't involved, I would still be just as angry at the Trump administration. Look, I don't hate Scott Walker because of the John Doe investigations, okay, Wisconsin people? I hate Scott Walker because of his horrible, horrible policies that make the lives of teachers more difficult, that make the lives of nurses and other public employees more difficult, that make the lives of Wisconsin UW students and professors and faculty staff more difficult, that make the lives of poor people more difficult, that make the lives of every working person through his stupid right to work nonsense more difficult and I hate all his stupid policies and everything he says and does that's why I hate Scott Walker and that's why I want him to get defeated on the basis of his policies I want Trump to go down in flames not because he has a Russian sex tape women peeing on him but because American people wake up and go wait a minute this guy sucks he's trying to bamboozle us and I'm not going to take it anymore that's what I want to see and I want people to call for Trump to be impeached not because his not because he grabbed some woman I mean don't get me wrong we should everybody in the world should have said wait a minute we can't have a sexual predator in the White House but we didn't so okay that's part of it but the real thing I want and not because his, you know he's telling people to go you know buy his stupid daughter's shoes at Nordstrom's but because of the emoluments clause of the U.S. Constitution which says the President of the United States cannot profit off of decisions that he makes but that's what he's doing every day so like but let me prove now I can be calm and cool and discuss how I feel without acting a fool as I once said the point is Trump is a horrible horrible president and I'm look I'm trying real hard people okay because I'm a firm believer in what Jay Smooth said about the need to make a distinction between what people are and what they say and do because it's easy to go down a rabbit hole and I start saying Trump's a fascist and people say well what is fascism actually let's break it down and talk about the many differences between the 1930s style of fascism that we saw in Germany and the 1925 style of fascism that we saw in Franco in Italy and Spain and blah 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 and Mussolini and blah, 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 blah. dude you totally got Mussolini in Italy and Franco in Spain wrong shut up hippie liberal dork I, I want to stay focused on what Trump does okay because 
It's easy to call people names. I didn't think it was cool when Tea Party people called Obama names. And so I don't really like calling Trump names, okay? His policies are bad and he should feel bad. All right, Maria Bamford said, I want George W. Bush to be put in a little tiny place far away from the controls of power where he's safe and warm and unable to rule. And that's what I want for Donald Trump, okay? I don't, I, I don't think he's Hitler, all right? I think he's doing a lot of horrible, stupid things that A, will not make us safer and B, will make the lives of... People from Mexico and South America more difficult that will make the lives of Muslims more difficult and will cause a lot of pain and suffering. Okay, that's not cool, right? Amnesty International had this urgent action, which I was all ready to share, and then we won, like, the next day. So, huzzah for action. There was this woman who was suffering from a brain tumor, and she was, like, locked in this private detention facility, which is where they keep people they're trying to deport. Don't get me started on the private detention facilities, which... Jeff Sessions just said we're going to start using again in the federal system. Anyway, this woman had a brain tumor. Amnesty International said, look, regardless of her uh, documentation status, she deserves medical treatment for this brain tumor. And the Department of ICE was like, no, we're not letting her get treatment. And everyone's like, no, messed up, human rights. And they said, okay, fine, she can get treatment. Which goes to show if you stand up loud, I'm actually standing up now, people, and you say, no, human rights matter, then we can force the levers of power to take into account people's human rights. And when we talk about immigration, okay, look, yes, if somebody comes into our country without the proper documentation, technically they're breaking the law. And, you know, we have the right to enforce the laws. But consider this. Have you ever downloaded something illegal off the Internet? You're a criminal! Have you ever sped? You're a criminal! The question is, does the punishment match the crime? And what's the real reason we're going after illegal immigrants? I think it's because, like on The Simpsons, we have a fast-talking politician who says, your taxes are high because of illegal immigrants. That's right, illegal immigrants. And Moses like goes, I knew it was immigrants! Even when it was the bears, I knew it was the immigrants! And everyone gets all mad about illegal immigrants because a politician told them to. Okay, the fact is that I don't have numbers to back this up, but you do the research and you'll find it to be true. Okay, immigrants in general cause less crime than the average population. Okay, and if we're going to start talking about, well, we got to deport all these people, look how long they've been in the country. Okay, I posted a thing on Facebook about this woman who was in the country for 20 years. She has kids here. All right, she has a life here. This is her home. Whether she has the proper documentation or not, she's been here for 20 years. That ought to matter. Okay, at some point, we ought to say, look, this person is obviously a contributing member of society, and let's not kid ourselves. Undocumented immigrants have to live in the shadows, okay? They can't speed. They can't do anything that would even threaten to bring them out into the open because then, boom, ICE comes in, family gets torn apart, they have no way to provide for their children, and suddenly they have this whole new swarm of problems, okay? Now, some people are going to say, it doesn't matter how long you've been here. The law is the law. Okay, if we're not going to talk at all about statute of limitations on illegal immigration, then how about this pale face? Maybe the Apache and the Shoshone and the Sioux and the Seminole and the Creek and the, the I can't think of any more indigenous peoples, <clears throat> maybe they get to say goodbye, illegal European immigrants. Because either we say statute of limitations matters or we don't. You don't get to have it both ways. And the point I'm making here is that history matters, okay? And society matters. And the, 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 the pressures that drive people to come into this country without going through the proper channels, those things ought to be taken into account, okay? And so if we're going to enforce the law and say, we can't have any illegal immigrants, first of all, our agricultural system is going to just collapse tomorrow, okay? Who's going to pick all those crops? Nobody 
that's who. Okay, unless you want to pay $90 for a head of lettuce. The point is this. We have to say, okay, look, if we're going to crack down on illegal immigrants, we're going to have, excuse me, undocumented immigrants, man. Why you got to be harshing everybody out by talking about them as if they're like illegal, dude. I made up one messed up. I messed up again. I just messed up twice. That's all. Get off my back, hippie dork. The point is this. Why don't you sit down, man? Because I'm all fired up. The resistance stands for justice and freedom. You're not the only voice of resistance, man. You know, in fact, one more white dude talking into a microphone for a podcast. That's not really an intersectional fo- Shut up! I'm on my level. Anyway, the point I was making is this. If we want to say we have to enforce the law, no more undocumented immigration, then we have to say, okay, those of you who are here, if you've been here for more than, what, five years, we're going to give you a path to citizenship. That just makes sense. Okay, because that's us saying, in fact, that's the enlightened way to approach it, because it's us saying, hey, you've been here for five years paying sales taxes and contributing to society as long as you don't have any meaningful violations of the law. And I'm not talking about speeding or, you know, didn't pay a parking ticket. I'm talking about you didn't commit any violence against another person or whatever. In that case, thank you for all that work you did and thank you for contributing to society. And now here's your path to immigration legally. Wouldn't that be a nice way for us to deal with it? But that's what Obama proposed like 10 years ago. Eight years. He was only in office for eight years, man. What What are you even doing here? I'm just trying to make sure you stay intellectually honest, dude. All right, thanks, liberal hippie dork. That's the number one thing I need. Would you rather have someone from the right doing it? Uh, no. All right, then. All right, fine. Shut up. No, man, I'm not going to shut up because my voice is just as valid as anybody else's voice. If Occupy Wall Street taught us anything, man, it's that it doesn't matter how many years you've been involved in the struggle. You don't get to talk until all these filthy hippies with their drum circle get to talk first. Ugh. Direct democracy is boring. Let me tell you something, people. I went to New College, which uses a de- direct democracy form of student government. It's the most boring thing in the world. Town hall meetings took forever, and we decided nothing. So I, I understand. Look, I'm not a fascist, but I understand the appeal of fascism because you can, you know, it's a continuum. On the one end, you have direct democracy, which takes forever and nothing gets decided. And on the other hand, you have uh, fascism in which nobody gets any meaningful contribution, but things get done. And, you know, we have to find a balancing act there. So anyway, um, yeah, Trump sucks. Ha! <laughs> uh, well, I mean, I've collected articles, but every time I put an article up, the next day something even more outrageous comes up, and I'm like, well, I shouldn't even bother talking about that article. Um, I don't even know if I should bother making show notes. Does anybody even use the show notes? I'm, how about this? This time, this episode, I'm not going to even put together show notes. I'm just going to say, I talk about Trump and how much he sucks, and you know, here's some things I make. I want to make sure you have, you look at. But like the articles I mentioned, do I really need to make links and you know, format them and all that, or can I just talk about them and you can find them if you really need to? I'm going to do that in this episode. And if people are mad, you can write in, at Duke Scath on Twitter, uh, ESP at FBASP.org. Um... Yeah, or holler at me on Facebook. What, 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 what? Anyway, uh, so here's a random selection. Go away, D-I-V-X. I don't want to install you right now. Here's a random selection of horrible things Trump has done recently. 
President Donald, this is from The Independent, President Donald Trump to publish weekly list of crimes committed by immigrants. I mean, what is this? What is this? If he had said weekly list of crimes committed by people with red hair, 10% of the population would go, dude, gingers, am I right, bro? (laughs) And everybody else would be like, no, that's horrible. You can't do that. But what? this is nonsense. This is fear-mongering at its very worst. The President of the United States is using his power and time to try to scare us into hating immigrants. What the hell? Why not just do it like uh, a, a weekly list of crimes committed by people who live in states that were admitted to the Union after 1860 or whatever? I mean, it's nonsense. This whole thing is nonsense. It's just disgusting. Republican plans to publicize criminal actions committed by aliens and crack down on sanctuary cities that protect migrants from being deported. The U.S. president's sweeping new executive order on immigration, which he signed on the fifth day of his presidency, includes a paragraph mandating the Secretary for Homeland Security to, quote, make public a comprehensive list of criminal actions committed by aliens in the U.S. That word aliens is so much fun. There's this book called Latino USA, and they and when they talk about aliens, they talk they have a picture of E.T. in a sombrero riding a bike, and it's like, hey, what do they think we are, extraterrestrials? The list will also include details of so-called sanctuary cities that refuse to hand over immigrant residents for deportation. Uh, This is just stupid and I hate it. Moving on. Um, Washington Post. Monkey Cage. What? I guess this is a part of the Washington Post. There's a blog called Monkey Cage. Uh, Anyway, Trump wants to investigate purported mass voter fraud. We pre-debunked his evidence. This is the other thing that drives me crazy about Trump, and that makes his supporters, it ought to make them hang their heads in shame. He keeps saying things for which he has absolutely no evidence, and whereas we used to say, well, that's lying, the person's political career is finished, now we say, well, that's just Trump. It's not okay. We can't allow this to go on. And I mean, you know, what can we do? Those of us who are outraged by it are just outraged. And that's what can we do? We can be outraged, right? And here's the thing. Look, because, okay, I heard someone talking recently. and I don't remember where it was, but it was on Fresh Air. There was someone interviewing someone about Jeff Sessions. Jeff Sessions, for those who don't know, is the secretary. uh, um, uh, Take a deep breath, man. Shut up. I wrote the book on mindfulness. You don't get to tell me how to de-stress. Stupid hippie dork. You think calling me names is going to make you feel better, man? Yes, it will, stupid hippie dork. (laughs) Anyway, um, so Jeff Sessions is the Attorney General of the United States, the nation's leading law enforcement officer. And he, during his confirmation hearings, was asked by Senator uh, Al Franken, who used to be on Saturday Night Live doing this bit where every five seconds he would say, thanks to me, Al Franken. So every time I hear his name, I see him going, me, Al Franken. So anyway, um, I should find a sound clip of that. That would be awesome. Somebody find me that sound clip. Make it quick. Why don't you make yourself useful, hippie dork, and find me that sound clip. Anyway, Al Franken asked him, did you have any contact with the Russian authorities uh, during the campaign? And Jeff Sessions goes, no, I didn't. And then it turns out he did. So that's a lie, right? Well, it turns out that in order for it to qualify as perjury, we have to be able to pr- And by the way, Al Franken wrote the book on this. Literally, he wrote a book called Lies and the Lying Liars Who Tell Them. And he goes into all of this. And it's so 
amazing now that he has gotten Jeff Sessions in a lie, but we can't convict Jeff Sessions for perjury. Because in order for it to be perjury, you have to prove that the person knew that they were lying and that they were intentionally trying to deceive people. And it's, you know, it's going to be the case that Sessions says, well... I didn't. I don't mean. I didn't really know what qualified as meeting with Russian authorities. I mean, he's going to use this, you know, plausible deniability that we learned from Reagan to get off scot free, and that's why I think we need perjury light. Okay, we need something that says, okay, look, maybe it wasn't intentional, and maybe it's not as bad as perjury, but you still told a lie and that's not okay whether you realize it or not you were wrong and you knew you should have known you were wrong and so you're going to get punished half as bad as you would be punished under perjury if you were to go to prison for 10 years by by committing perjury under perjury light you go to prison for five years how's that for a proposal huh and as I've said before on this podcast, maybe if on Wall Street we said, okay, look, you claim you didn't know what your goddamn vice presidents were doing, Mr. CEO. Okay, well, if you knew then you and you were still approving it, you would have lost all your money and gone to prison for 20 years. How about this? Because you should have known. How about you lose half your money and you go to prison for 10 years? Is that, a, is that a, a deal we can all get behind? Because we can't keep making it all or nothing. People are playing the game, and they're playing us, the Democratic people, not the Democrats, the party, but the people of this country, they're playing us all for suckers, and they keep getting away with it, and they will keep getting away with it until we decide, and we can anytime we want, as long as it's in the Constitution, we can say, look, there is now this thing called perjury light. If you should have known or it was demonstrably false and you said it anyway, you get punished half as bad as you would if it were actual perjury. I think that's a good thing that we should do because then it's acting as though truth still matters. And if we had all the evidence to prove that Jeff Sessions was deliberately trying to mislead Congress, we wouldn't need to bust him for perjury. So anyway... This Washington Post article has Trump, all his nonsense about mass voter fraud. It's a bunch of nonsense. He's just making up stuff. It's like uh, this whole Obama wiretap my office. I mean, that's slander. He's accusing the former president of the United States of wiretapping his office. Tell me anything Obama said that was even remotely as ludicrous as that with regard to former presidents. I mean, he didn't even prosecute George W. Bush for waterboarding people. <sighs> All right, what else do I have in my Trump sucks file? This is from PJ Media. I don't know what this is. Oh, God. Five-year-old Iranian-American boy handcuffed, held at Dulles Airport for hours. So when Trump's stupid Muslim ban, and it's a Muslim ban, don't you dare come near me with this, oh, it's not really a Muslim ban, man. Because people are like, well, not every Muslim country is being affected by it. That's nonsense. If you discriminate against half the black people in your town and none of the white people... You can't say, well, I'm not discriminating against black people because there's some black people who aren't being discriminated against. Nonsense. Of course it's a Muslim ban. Trump said he wanted a Muslim ban. In his contract with the American people, he said a complete and total... No, 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 it wasn't in that. It was in a statement he released during the campaign. A complete and total shutdown on Muslims entering the United States. That's what he said. So again, the idea that this isn't a Muslim ban is just ludicrous. And Rudy Giuliani went on Fox News saying, Trump asked me, how can I make this Muslim ban happen? Like, for realsies, under the law. Anyway, people are like, what's the big deal? Some people didn't get home in time to watch The Apprentice, whatever. No. Um, 
here's why it causes real pain and suffering. This five-year-old Iranian-American boy was handcuffed and held at Dulles Airport for hours. Um, this happened uh, in Washington, D.C. The poor kid was separated from his own mom because he was, quote, identified as a possible threat. That's insane enough in itself, but what makes it even worse is he's an American citizen. Note, a tourist with a visa uh, and not even a green card holder, but a citizen. Someone who enjoys the same rights as every other American citizen, but just who happens to be of Iranian descent. So, come on, people. Real pain, real suffering. This sucks. I hate it. Stop with the Muslim ban. Now, look, people are like, well, isn't a kinder, gentler Muslim ban now because he took Iraq off the list? Which, I mean, don't get me wrong, you know... If the original Muslim ban was 10,000 flavors of atrociousness, why don't you just say atrocity, man? Shut up! If the original Muslim ban was 10,000 flavors of atrociousness, then this Muslim ban is 9,990 flavors of atrociousness. Because, yeah, okay, look, one of the absurdities of the original Muslim ban was that translators and soldiers helping the U.S. troops in Iraq suddenly, who had been told they could come live in America after helping us, which, thank God, because they weren't going to be welcome in Iraq anymore, right? Um... They were suddenly barred from entering the United States, which was like just beyond absurd. So, okay, the Trump administration said, well, we'll let them in now. Okay, but, oh, God, it's just so exhausting to fight against this nonsense. DeVos questionnaire appears to include passengers from unsighted sources. <laughs> so Betsy DeVos is the education secretary. And like every every person that Trump has appointed to a position in his cabinet, she's awful. And she's this totally incompetent believer in vouchers. And she's trying to privatize America's public schools, which sucks and I hate it. And it's a policy that just sucks. Literally the worst. That's uh, John Ralphio from uh, Parks and Rec. Anyway, Betsy DeVos sucks because she's all about this privatization nonsense. And in written responses to questions from senators, she appears to have used several sentences and phrases from other sources without attribution, including from a top Obama administration civil rights official. This is called plagiarism. And in my class, as well as the class of every other teacher I know, it results in an immediate failing grade for that assignment. Now, I'm a sucker bleeding heart like sap, so I let the student redo it which I shouldn't because most people are like just zero and in some places it's fail for the quarter and in some places it's fail for the semester and in some places it's you get kicked out of this institution and don't let the door hit you in the butt. So I think that the Secretary of Education ought to be held to the same kind of standard of at least some sort of severe punishment. And again, I didn't realize that, you know, okay, plagiarism light then. You get half the punishment of real plagiarism. (sighs) All right, what's next in this cavalcade of horrors? Uh, the slot at Jezebel.com. Oh, this 70-year-old retired army colonel. She was arrested protesting Sessions' confirmation hearing. This is awesome. She's a code pink person. I have audio here. Listen. Mr. Chairman, I... This is Patrick Leahy. He's actually been cool on East Timor. He's a Democrat from Vermont. Anyway, uh, this woman's about to start yelling during Jeff Sessions' confirmation hearing. I suppose this nomination. Thank you for having this whole... Oh, yeah, that's right. He was opposing the nomination. Good for you, Leahy. Thank you for taking another courageous stand in the Senate. Thank you. Know the racism, no to the ban on refugees. Wait, wait, oh, ow, ow, come on, go out, but you don't need to drag me. I've got a hip replacement. I'm 70 years old and I can make it out on my own. But no to racism, 
no to hate, no to Jeff Sessions, no. I love how she's being dragged out and like she's about to get her hip busted again, and she's like, I can make it out of my own. Oh yeah, by the way, what I'm yelling about, no to racism, no to Jeff. I love you, Colonel Ann Wright, a 70-year-old retired U.S. states arm U.S. U.S. statesman. Shut up, United States Army Colonel and former U.S. State Department official who briefly disrupted a hearing Tuesday where lawmakers were expected to confirm Jeff Sessions as attorney general. I just think she's so awesome. Capitol Police threw her out, but she's so amazing. I love people like this. You go, girl. All right, what's next? Elizabeth Warren posted an awesome post. Um, She posts lots of awesome stuff. President Trump had the chance to select a consensus nominee to the Supreme Court. To the surprise of absolutely nobody, he failed that test. Instead, he carried out his public promise to select a nominee from a list drawn up by far-right activist groups that were financed by big business interests. Judge Neil Gorsuch has been on this list for four months. His public record, which I have reviewed in detail, paints a clear picture. And everybody's like, what's your problem with Gorsuch? I'm like... I defer to Elizabeth Warren. Nevertheless, she persisted. What, 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 what? Elizabeth Warren, yeah, go ahead, Liz Warren. Uh, Go on with your bad self. What, what? Before even joining the bench, he advocated to make it easier for public companies to defraud investors. As a judge, he has twisted himself into a pretzel to make sure mm, pretzels to make sure the rules favor giant companies over workers and individual Americans. He has sided with employers who deny wages, improperly fire workers, or retaliate against whistleblowers for misconduct. He has ruled against workers in all manner of discrimination cases, and he has demonstrated hostility towards women's access to basic health care. You tell him, Liz. So that's why Neil Gorsuch should not be on the Supreme Court. All right, I think I have one more thing on this nonsense. Oh, wait, that was Elizabeth Warren. Okay, that was the last thing I think I have in the Trump file. Oh, yeah. Here's an interesting story. This is from the Gambia. I have a student right now from the Gambia, actually. So this is real talk for that one student who probably won't hear this. Um, Anyway, appeals to faith and patriotism persuaded Gambia ex-leader to quit. In pushing Yahya Jama to give up the Gambia's presidency, I'm probably saying that name wrong, sorry, negotiators played on two key cards, his deep Muslim faith and his professed love of country. Jema finally quit as president and went into exile on Saturday following intense lobbying by international powers, ending more than a month of crisis that began when he rejected the result of the December 1st election. Tibu Kamara, a former government minister from Guinea, went early into the crisis to convince Jema to leave after 22 years in power in favor of Adama Barrow, who won the ballot. And if you're like me, when you see the word Barrow, you think immediately of Skyrim, Skyfall's Barrow, am I right? Fusroda! Uh, he was joined last week by Mauritania's president, Mohamed Ould Abdel Aziz, and Guinea's president, Alpha Conde, to win over Gemma before a last chance saloon deadline. Quote, it was not easy because against the determination of the international community, there was a fierce resolve to defend what he saw as law, truth, and justice, but especially the independence and sovereignty of his country, Kamara said in an interview with Agence France Presse. We appealed to his faith, Kamara said, adding that Jameh himself often said that everything that happens to a man is God's will. This carried a lot of weight. Jameh had long cultivated the image of a devout Muslim, often appearing with prayer beads in hand and starting his speeches with passages from the Quran. So I just think it's really cool that they convinced this guy who is basically a tyrant and ignoring the results of a democratic election to say, look, you owe it to your country to step aside. Let us pray that after four years, dear flying spaghetti monster, 
After four years in office, please allow Donald Trump to have the wisdom to realize how terrible he is and not run for office again. And if he doesn't realize that, please let the American people realize how horrible he's been for them and then choose a different person. And when that happens, please allow Trump the wisdom to realize that it's in his own best interest and the best interest of the country to step aside when someone else is elected please. I don't want to have to take another sorry world photograph uh, if Trump gets reelected like we did after Bush got reelected. Anyway, that's the end of the current events. I think it's time we move on. I'm a glob. Let's talk about some economics. Get the money! Dollar dollar bill, y'all! Can you make money from Donald Trump's tweets? Short answer, no. Donald Trump has long had a habit of tweeting about the people and things he doesn't like. Now that he's president, his missives move markets. Now, this was written before he became president, so it says president-elect, but obviously I'm editing on the fly. Because I'm a fly editor. Ha! <laughs> Over the last several weeks, his tweets have managed to knock 1% off Boeing's stock price, albeit temporarily, and 2.5% from that of Lockheed Martin. It now seems as though an investor could buy and sell stock and make money based on what at real Donald Trump happens to be targeting on any given day. Indeed, that's almost certainly going to happen. But that enterprising trader is not going to be you. What is this from, anyway? This is from time.com, the money section. As it turns out, Wall Street has been watching Twitter and many other sources of online news and gossip for quite some time. And unlike casual investors who may happen to see the latest tweet, look up the stock, and fumble with their Schwab password before actually making a trade, professional investors can rely on powerful computers to largely, or sometimes completely, automate the process. Now, people who've been listening to this podcast for a while know very well about all this stuff, because it's called high frequency trading but i have a new favorite term by this bill black guy that i'll be playing for you in just a minute um hyper velocity trading which i think is even better than high frequency trading but anyway um yeah so this is what's going on the, the, the here's the thing for those of you who don't know high high frequency tr- slow down man you got to be able to enunciate shut up hippie dork i don't need you telling me how to podcast but you're right High-frequency trading is a system whereby automated algorithms on computers buy and sell shares of stock over and over again, holding the stock for fractions of a second in order to make a fraction of a penny. They do this over and over again, all day long, every day, in order to maximize profit returns in a totally opaque way because the algorithms are protected as intellectual property, so no one can see exactly how they function. Therefore, regulators have no way of policing these algorithms because nobody knows what they're trading based on. But obviously, some of them are going to be trading based on Donald Trump's tweets. Quote, there are people diligently working to create algorithms for Trump's tweets, and if he continues to increase the size of the data set, then we'll likely see full automation sooner rather than later. Zachary David, a senior analyst at KOR Group, a consulting firm, told Politico last month. In 2013, the Associated Press's Twitter account reported that President Barack Obama had been injured amid two explosions at the White House. As it turns out, the report was the result of a hack. It was debunked within minutes by both the White House and the AP itself, but not before the S&P 500 dropped about 0.9%, erasing roughly $130 billion in stock market wealth. Oh my God, $130 billion of stock market wealth. <laughs> See, I gotta be honest. This is why I actually celebrate a little bit when the stock market goes down. Because 
here's the thing. For 20 years, I've had, I've heard over and over again, had it drilled into my skull that what's good for the stock market is good for America. But over that same 20-year period, as Barlett and Steele, these two journalists from Philadelphia, have pointed out in book after book after book, the average working person in this country has not seen the same kind of gains. In fact, we haven't really seen any gains. We've barely kept up with the st uh, standard of living. So... I don't. The stock market tends to go up, and that's mostly the one percent who gets the gains from the stock market. It's called capital gains, and everybody talks about capital gains, tax cuts. Well, that's just benefiting the mostly the ultra rich. So when the stock market crashes, it's. I mean, look. The sad part is, of course, that yes, ordinary people like you and me do have investments in the stock market through mutual funds, and our pensions are invested there, and all that stuff. But most of the people who lose money are going to be rich people. So. When the stock market loses money, I'm like, yes, sucks to be you. And maybe if we're not happy about all of us being hurt by the stock market, maybe we shouldn't all be gambling on the stock market. Ah. Anyway, where was I? Um, here's how Time summed up that situation at the time, offering a lesson that still holds true. As for Tuesday's incident, it's possible that many firms had the words White House, Explosion, or Barack Obama in their databases as keywords that could trigger selling, given the right circumstances. According to portfolio manager and author Irene Aldridge, quote, If a trusted news source with a lot of followers, like the Associated Press, sends out those words close together, that may have triggered some selling, end quote. Aldridge says the fact that so many people retweeted the message, many of whom were trusted journalists themselves, would likely make the news appear even more trustworthy to these bots. In the grand scheme of things, Tuesday's mini-crash was not a big deal. Quote, no long-term investors lost any money, says Aldridge. The market recovered almost instantaneously, and an optimist may look at the event as an example of high-frequency algorithms behaving in a more orderly manner than they have in the past. <laughs> End of block quote. But what happens when the market doesn't bounce back so magically? It's gonna happen, people! And I'm not the only one who thinks that high-frequency trading causes a big problem to the stock market. There's this guy named Bill Black. Now, I love this dude because I don't remember where I first encountered him. It might have been um, um, Predator Nation was written by Charles Ferguson, and he made a movie called Inside Job. And that may have been my first introduction to Bill Black, but I have a feeling I introduced to him before that. But anyway, he was recently interviewed by some website called The Real News, which, okay, granted, that's a really weird name for a news website. But anyway, he's talking about high-frequency trading, and he talks about what it was like under Obama and what it's going to be like under Trump, and he says it much better than I could, and he doesn't even have to yell and scream and talk to imaginary people. So, Bill Black, tell us about high-frequency trading in the Trump era. The Obama administration hasn't been great on this. You haven't heard them complaining about what was being done. But the Trump administration has reached a whole new level. The Trump administration is creating the most criminogenic environment in U.S. history. It's going to produce epidemic levels of elite white-collar fraud and good old-fashioned corruption. There was already an enormous problem with uh, high-velocity trading. The Securities and Exchange Commission and the Commodities Future Trading Commission, which are supposed to regulate this, do not have the computer capacity to even monitor what's happening in anything like real time. And the Republicans in Congress throughout the Obama administration have deliberately denied funds with the idea of preventing the SEC 
and the Commodities Future Trading Commission from having the resources to be able to do anything about high um, volume or high uh, frequency trading. Even if you had a prosecutor willing to prosecute, if the SEC and the CFTC don't have the computer technology and the experts to bring the facts and to make a case, you weren't going to get much of any case. But in this situation, the Attorney General of the United States of America, Jeff Sessions, was picked to make sure that these prosecutions didn't occur. And the only person that's demonstrated any kind of spine in a, the senior leadership ranks of the Justice Department, and that was uh, Ms. Yates, uh, was of course fired personally by Donald Trump uh, when she was acting Attorney General. Uh, so as this whole crew gets in, it's going to be clear that you can get away with anything if you're a Trump supporter. The new SEC chair uh, is someone who did his work overwhelmingly for Goldman Sachs um, and uh, who has said, um, ran this report of uh, New York lawyers, Wall Street lawyers, that said the critical thing America needed to do was to gut the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act. That's the statute against bribery. The, he said it, it created a competitive disadvantage for U.S. firms that we couldn't bribe people, right? They want to bring back bribery. One of their first acts in the House and Senate was to pass a rule designed to destroy the SEC disclosure on things like, we've been, um, in the anti-corruption world, which is, is one of the things I do, we've been trying for years to get a requirement that the oil companies disclose publicly what they're paying the governments. And this would allow you in exceptionally corrupt countries, like we're becoming, oh, zing, um, as a public citizen to know, hey, you know, Nigeria got, I'm making up this number, but um, $250 billion in oil revenues. Where did it go? Right? So, and this required, you know, adding one sentence to your uh, securities filings. So, no cost. And that is something that the House and the Senate Republicans targeted for the very first rule to get rid of. So, I mean, look, I could let him go on, and I'd, I'd love to hear it from this dude all day long. Bill Black is just awesome. But, but I, again, like, look, this is what people are talking about when they say regulation is strangling the free market, whatever, whatever. They want the free market to mean oil companies can go and do whatever the hell they want in sub-Saharan Africa, destroy the ecosystems of all these villages, and nobody can call them to power. It's ridiculous. So anyway, that's an example of what high-frequency trading is going to be like under Trump. And yeah, so let's move on to education. Uh, I, again, 
like I talked about Betsy DeVos, and that's the only news story that really matters right now about education because she's going to be an atrocious Secretary of Education. And we've had some bad ones, okay? You know, No Child Left Behind was atrocious. But I'm just bracing myself to see what atrocious, atrocious, mega atrocious uh, policies DeVos rolls out because here's the thing. I, I can tell you what it's going to be like, okay? The, 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 the voucher game always works the same way, okay? Here's the rule book that they play by. Step one, talk about how much public schools suck. The point is, public schools aren't great, but it's because they don't have enough money to meet the needs of all the students that they have, and the schools that have the least money tend to do the worst, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, then say, parents deserve a choice, and everybody loves the idea of choice. Uh, who wouldn't want a choice, right? Of course, choice, yay! Nobody's going to argue against choice. But the question is, how does that choice function? And the way it functions is this. You take the money out of the public school and you give it to the private school or the religious school or whatever, the charter school. And the charter school plays by different rules, okay? So they don't have to accept kids with special needs. They don't have to accept kids who have learning disorders. They don't have to accept kids who have you know, hyperactivity and depression and anxiety and all the other things that we teachers have to combat every day in the classroom, okay? Then, even though the charter schools with all those advantages still can't compete on an even playing field, they say, we don't want to be subject to the same accountability practices because that's one of the things they asked Betsy DeVos. Do you believe voucher schools should be held to the same standards as public schools? And she just kept saying over and over again, I believe in accountability. I believe in accountability with no clarification of what that means. That answer alone should have been enough for every senator to go, oh my God, I can't let this woman be in charge of my grandkids' schools. But no, they said, I'm a Republican. I have to vote for the Republican. There's no reason for me to think. It's like in Spaceballs. I'm a president. I can't make decisions. It's pathetic. So they approved this numbskull to be in charge of every school in the country. And they're going to start saying, well, the Department of Education needs to... See, here's the... And, and this is actually... Okay, so that's the playbook. They're going to roll out this huge proposal for transforming all the schools in the country in order to make voucher systems set up in every part of the country. And let's be clear, Diane Ravitch has documentation of this, so I don't need to provide it for you. You can find it if you look up Diane Ravitch uh, school voucher comparisons. Um, voucher schools compare, uh, uh, they, they perform at about the same rate as public schools. End of discussion, okay? They don't do any better because they're voucher schools, because they're private schools, because they're religious schools, okay? The free market fundamentalists just want to funnel more money to those places, okay? And here's the thing. Look, I actually understand why some people like the idea of charter schools or voucher schools. There was one... I guess it's being, I don't know exactly what the status of it is right now, but you know, some African-American leaders in this community wanted to open one because they felt like the public schools weren't providing the special kinds of attention that African-American students need. And so they were failing a lot of the students and, and that's a problem. And I'm not going to dispute that. It is a problem. We need dramatic change to happen in the public schools so that not so many, you know, we don't have this disproportionate school to prison pipeline where so many black kids are funneled through, they, they fail, they don't learn what they need to learn, and then they end up with no job skills and they end up with no career prospects and they can't go to college. And, you know, it's, yeah, that's a disgrace. But the point is, it's not just because of the schools, okay? And blaming the schools is the convenient, easy answer to explain away the fact that all the white kids, 
well, okay, a disproportionate number of the white kids had more advantages in terms of people reading to them, and they had better neonatal health care, and they had more access to insurance, and they had better dental care. And I mean, there's a hundred thousand things that go into this discrepancy in the performance of black students and white students. And to just say, well, the schools didn't educate them well enough, that's far too simplistic, okay? Because teaching doesn't work like that. Teaching isn't like changing a light bulb. Teaching is like trying to get the snakes that live in the fifth dimension out of a light bulb that are stopping it from working. How are you going to do that? It's alchemy. There's some science in there, but there's also some art and there's gut instinct and there's, you know, there, there's psychology and there's physiology and there's all sorts of, you know, different sciences and arts and mystical powers that are required to teach well. And if you have the science, you can teach the science part of teaching. If you got the art and the magic, you can teach that part of it. But a good teacher can combine all of it. And that's not what's going on. So anyway, that's why some people support charter schools. Uh, <laughs> so so that's the playbook. But here's what's going to happen. Um, Betsy DeVos is going to say, we got to have this happen. And so in, in Wisconsin, the Milwaukee school system has a voucher system. And what it's done is it's pull money away from the public schools and put it into these charter schools, which have not performed at any better rating. But the schools, the public schools that are most affected are the public schools where the poor kids go. And mostly it's black and brown kids. And so as a result, their schools get even worse unless they're lucky enough to win a lottery or whatever it is that gets them into one of the charter schools, in which case they get, a, they get to be at a school that's about as good as the decently funded public schools that all the white kids go to. So it's really a sick twist on this notion of public schools and democratic function of schooling. So I'm not looking forward to that. And this Yahoo Finance article has this list of all these things that are going to happen when she's approved. And uh, they asked her to spell out her specific vision to the department, but the education activist and billionaire from Michigan kept mostly to generalities, outlining a broad vision of school choice in which parents could use state money to send their kids to private or charter schools. I just talked about this for 20 minutes, so there's nothing else for me to say about it. I guess we should just move on to killer robots. Finally, robotic beings rule the world. The humans are dead. The humans are dead. The humans are dead. They look like they're dead. It had to be done. I'll just confirm that they're dead. So that we could have fun. Affirmative. I poked one. It was dead. Moonlight feature in New York Times from Bittersweet Childhoods to Moonlight. You've got to see this movie. In case anybody hasn't heard me already talking about it. The best picture, everybody knows this already, best picture at the Academy Awards went to Moonlight, which is a really good movie about these two kids growing up in this housing project in Miami where the guy who wrote the play on which the movie was based and then Barry Jenkins, the guy who wrote the screenplay and directed it, grew up. About the same age, they lived there at the same time, they didn't know each other, the dude wrote the play, Barry Jenkins found it, wrote the screenplay, made the movie, and then they became friends. And it's such a cool story. So you should totally see it. Uh, the Academy Awards messed up and they originally said La La Land won and then they had to say, no, sorry, it was a mix-up. Uh, Moonlight, you guys won. So anyway, the point is the best movie actually won. And it was the only movie I'd seen in like five years that won Best Picture. So I was like, hey, I know that movie. So I can go immediately onto Facebook and let people know, hey, everybody, Moonlight deserved to win. You should see it. And by the way, People had to know the truth. Then when I feel so stuffed I can't eat anymore, I just use the restroom. And then I can eat more. You should write a book, Fry. People need to know about the can eat more. Um, 
Get Out is the other one. If you haven't seen Get Out, the movie, the horror movie by Jordan Peele, oh my God, you've got to see it. It's funny, it's scary, but it's also important. Like, it's an important movie. And we just saw Arrival last night, which is a really good movie. It's not great because it still has some Hollywood nonsense, but it is very, very good. And it has a good concept at the heart of it. And here's the thing, and I know we haven't talked about this. We're supposed to be talking about Moonlight, but hang on one second. Here's the thing. Hollywood movies always do this thing where instead of putting an idea out there and then playing with the idea in many different ways, they make the idea the point of the story. And so you know you're only going to find out the idea 80 or 85% of the way through the film. And then you finally get the idea and you go, oh, that's a cool idea. And then a little bit of Hollywood nonsense and then we're done. Interstellar did that. Um, Inception did that. Uh, the Matrix kind of did. No, The Matrix gave you the truth about halfway through the first movie. And then halfway through the second movie, they gave you the architect's story. And then that was like, oh, yeah, here we go. And they could still do interesting things in The Matrix, which they have done in the comics and the Animatrix and all over the place. The point is, the arrival was good. Uh, okay, so Moonlight, this New York Times article, I won't read the whole thing, but before making their movie, the men had a hard time explaining their lives and the lives of the people they loved. Mr. McCraney recalls an assignment in college where students were asked to write a monologue about their happiest childhood experience. Quote, I was like, okay, great. Everyone's going to come in with the time Dad took them pony riding, he said, mock rolling his eyes. If he wrote honestly about his life, he knew that, quote, everybody's going to be like, oh, God, Terrell again. Still, some of his happiest moments were with Blue. Uh, and and here's the thing. If you've seen Moonlight, the character that Ma- Maharasha Ali plays, I'm probably saying his name wrong, um, he's a drug dealer who kind of takes care of this kid, Chiron. And it's based on a guy, Blue, who was in the playwright's life. I, I already forgot his name. I just said it. Uh, McCraney, right. So... His name was Blue, and like he was this living contradiction because he was a drug dealer, and his mom. And meanwhile, the uh, uh, McCraney's mom was addicted to crack, so there's a contradiction right there. But nevertheless, the drug dealer kind of helped McCraney, you know, learn about the world and be kind of a father figure. So anyway, um, some of his happiest moments were with Blue. Quote: So I wrote about the time a drug dealer got off his crate and taught me how to ride a bike. And I just remember the kind of shock and awe on people's faces, he said. It hurt me. It embarrassed me. And I wasn't embarrassed because of him or the situation. I was embarrassed because it felt like, again, me putting on exhibition for mostly white privileged people, a world they had never seen. But now, by telling their story in Moonlight, both the playwright and the director implicitly challenge us to ask, what could men like Blue be if they were born in a different circumstances? Amen, brother. All right, we need to move on. Let's talk about some hip hop. I going to talk about with hip hop right now? I will talk about Run the Jewels because I've probably played them before on this podcast, but we went to see them in concert and oh, it was awesome. And the crowd said, RTJ. Hey. And the crowd goes, RTJ. Oh my goodness, it was a great concert, and one of the acts they had opening for him was I, but the other one was this DJ, and I need to find out his name. If anybody knows the name of the DJ who opened up for RTJ in Madison, oh my god, you gotta let me know, because he was a really good DJ. He was very energetic, he was just like, ah, he had this crazy fro, that kept flopping around everywhere, and he just got so into the music, and he was playing good music too. So anyway, um, 
RTJ is Run the Jewels. It's Killer Mike from Atlanta and LP from New York. And they're really good. Killer Mike, if you don't know Killer Mike, you're sleeping. I can't imagine you listen to this podcast and you don't know Killer Mike because he did this series of videos with Bernie Sanders, which is really good because Killer Mike is a capitalist. And he starts by telling Bernie, look, I'm a capitalist. You tell me what socialism is and I'll tell you why I'm a capitalist. And so they just have a really good exchange. It's the best thing that happens when people of goodwill come together and say, look, we disagree on this, but we know that each of us is like a decent person. Let's just talk about our differences. That's what ought to be happening all over the internet. Instead of this name calling and hyperbole and and the invective and the acid and the horribleness so anyway um their album rtj3 they've had three albums out they're all called run the jewels one two and three and rtj3 i just learned was not eligible for the grammys that just happened so i was mad because i'm like why wasn't it even nominated but turns out it's because it came out after that so i'm looking forward to next year's grammys when rtj wins best rap performance uh best rap album they've got like seven rap categories now i can't even keep track of it all anyway they LP is kind of a goofball. He doesn't really have a whole lot of political stuff in his rhymes, um, but it's okay. I mean, there's no public enemy without Flav of Flav, right? So LP isn't quite on Flav's level, but he is funny. And so I'm going to play you a, a line that I've been quoting a lot lately from one of their songs. I don't remember which one. I'll find it. Hang on. Okay, I found it. Edit 6037. Okay, I found it. Um, so actually, it's it's from Talk to Me, which was a song that was released even before the album came out. It's a really good song. It's got a couple swear words, so I'm gonna have to edit it. But it's just so high energy and good, and it's got a reference to the Big Lebowski in it. Rhyme animal, pit bull terrier, rap terrorist, tear I paired up, brought gas in the matches to flare it up. Militant Michael, Michael, psycho, on any ally or rival, born black that's dead on arrival. My job is to fight for survival, in spite of these all lives matter as white folk. This is spiritual warfare that you have been dealing with. This is not a fight that you have been dealing with, flesh and blood, but this is a fight against principalities and evildoers and unclean spirits. RTJ3, mother. Great man did it out, face down in the Vietnam muscle, I cannot style on you. I didn't walk uphill both ways to the booth and back and I'll wild on you. You think baby Jesus killed Hitler just so I'd whisper? When you say some sound and he's close, tap your phone and I have a file on you. Huh. But me worry not, buddy, I've lost before, so what? You don't care, I'm dumb, I can't be crushed. Open the books up and stop those kid. Oh my god, I mean, tell me that's not high energy. Tell me you don't want to get up and like pump your fists and stuff. It's so sweet. And the Big Lebowski reference, I mean, come on, is that not awesome or what? Brave man didn't die face down in the Vietnam muck, so I cannot style on you. Oh snap, I forgot to feed the dog. I'm going to have to wrap this up real quick. Let's talk about the quote of the week, people. Friends, Romans, countrymen, lend me your ears. Stop repenting because the ending is near. But don't panic, you can't function if you live in a fear. Pay attention, you got to listen to hear. I don't even have anything ready to go. I don't have a quote of the week ready. Uh, uh, Oscar Wilde was a playwright from England, 19th century or something. He said, only dull people are brilliant at breakfast. There you go. Now you got your quote of the week. Happy? Listen, I don't have time to play with the phone here. I got a lot of stuff I got to get done.
So anyway, that's it, people. Show notes and links to everything in this podcast are on my blog, Didactic Synapse. I said maybe they're not. Anyway, fbesp.org slash synapse. I'm going to have some interviews hopefully soon. I'm planning on interviewing my friend Mala from New College and one of my students who posted something completely out of the blue about meditation and how it's made her life better. And I want to talk to her about it on this show. Anyway, my website is The Floating Brain of Eric S. Piotrowski, which is at fbesp.org with links to music and fiction and multimedia and lots of other stuff. Shout outs this week to you for listening to The Duchess for being awesome and having a birthday happy birthday what 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 happy birthday um everyone has shown a lot of love for the mind wipe book including that student of mine who's like i couldn't stop reading it this weekend i'm like yes uh chinny and tara for the packages again and Stu and chinny for posting pictures of the cross stitch i sent them and chinny for giving me the nudge and everybody who sends me shout outs on twitter at duke scath uh i don't have a lot of time to edit this thing so i apologize if there's stuff i forgot to cut out i'm a very busy man deal with it listen i don't have time to play with the phone here i got a lot of stuff i gotta get done and i don't care because i already played that sound clip once twice i'm a play it again listen i don't have time to play with the phone here i got a lot of stuff i gotta get done thanks for listening people remember hope dies last please get in touch with feedback or questions esp at fbesp.org or tweet me at duke scath i will stop talking now Didactic Syncast is a production of the floating brain of Eric S. Piotrowski, which is solely responsible for its content. This program is a joint venture of Ribonucleic Records and Garrison Multimedia. Our show is made possible by a grant from the Fargus Foundation. Some restrictions may apply. See SOAR for details. Fight the power. So powerful. Delete all pictures of Ron!